Sometimes I wonder if, if when we think about heaven and earth, there is actually a disconnect. We have in our minds that, that there, we live here on earth and then we're going to live in the new heaven and the new earth and, and they are really not all that connected. If we do think of a connection, we tend to think of the connection as a one-way street. We tend to think that how we live here on earth blazes a trail to our eternal destiny, whether that is heaven or hell. And while that is true, while the scriptures certainly tell us that our life on earth is, leads us to our eternal destiny, I think there is something more than that. What if that's not all there is to the connection and the picture? What if when we think about when we think about heaven, it's really not so much that we are are trying to live our lives here in such a way that we live eternally with God? but rather that because of the way we think about eternity, it affects how we live now. I think this is Paul's point in Colossians chapter 3. I've been thinking a lot about this, about this whole idea of the connection of heaven and earth, and maybe that's why this caught my attention But when you look at the beginning of chapter 3, beginning of verse 1, he says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I think that Paul is is trying to, to tell us that how we live on earth is, is, is directly connected to what we think about God's eternal kingdom. If we think about God's eternal kingdom the way we tend to, well, let me put it this way. However we think about God's eternal kingdom is how we're going to live on earth. It is how we view Things about how to live on earth, whether it's for Christ or not for Christ. And I think that this is the point that C.S. Lewis is making in his book, The Great Divorce. What he says in this book, his primary premise is this. People who are in heaven are there because they want what heaven is about. And people who are in hell are there because they want what hell is about. Now, we think in our, it took me a while to grab that because, you know, we've always kind of had the thinking that, of course, if you ask, everybody wants to go to heaven and nobody wants to go to hell. But Lewis's point is, maybe that's not the case. Because he says, heaven offers nothing to someone who has no interest in what God wants. And heaven is all about what God wants. Glenn Stossen, in in one of his books about living the resurrected life, says that heaven, really putting it plainly, is it's the realm where God rules fully and where God's will is always done. That's what heaven is. 
Heaven is the place, the realm, the reality of God ruling fully all that he desires about his kingdom and that his will is done exactly as he wants it to be done. And so when we pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are really saying, Lord, we want our mindset to be a heavenly mindset. We want the things of your heavenly kingdom to be the way we live our lives now. We want your will now. We want to do your will. We want to think your thoughts. We want your priorities to be, become our priorities. We want everything about your kingdom, everything about the reality of heaven and all that it means. That's what we want to live now. And I think that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying we get so wrapped up in the things of this earth that we lose the dynamic of what God's eternal kingdom is all about. And the way to live right on earth now is to focus our attention on the promises and the premises and the priorities of the kingdom then. I think what's hard for us about that is that we have bought into the old adage that says, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. And so we think to think too much about heaven, to think too much about God's eternal kingdom, to think too much about that reality is going to hinder the way we live now. But the truth is, if we are no earthly good, we're not really heavenly minded. If we're no earthly good, then our perspective about heaven is skewed and twisted from what God intends it. And so over the course of the next few weeks, during this season of Easter, I want us to think about some of the realities of heaven and how they affect the reality of life now as we live. And we'll start where Paul does here. And as you look at, at this passage, right before he talks about, think about earthly, think about heavenly things, not earthly things. He says right before this, he's talking about rules. And I think Paul is saying to us, look, the kingdom of heaven is not about rules. It's about freedom. The kingdom of heaven is not about rules. It's about freedom. I think that's a little bit difficult for us because we have lived our lives and been told all of our lives that the kingdom is about obedience. I was reading something the other day. Someone said, when I think back to all of my upbringing in the church, if I were to summarize it into one word, it would be the word behave. Maybe that's your experience too. Behave. And what Paul, I think, is telling us is, you know, Obedience is important. Obedience is certainly a part of the kingdom. But it's not about rules. It's about freedom. The rules are the things that we make up, the things that we design to say, this is how what Christians look like. This is what Christians do. And we create this whole set of rules. Sometimes they're spoken and written down. Sometimes they're unspoken. You just have to figure them out. But these are the rules. And this is what the kingdom is about. And this is how you live on this earth. And this is how you get to heaven. 
We've missed the whole point. Because the whole point is that we live with a heavenly mindset that frees us from rules and leads us instead to the freedom of holy living. Now again, we have this image probably in our minds that holy living isn't that all about rules. Not biblically, it's not. Holy living in Scripture is the freedom to follow Jesus. It is the freedom to give ourselves away. It's the freedom to surrender. It's the freedom to love. It's the freedom to serve. It's the freedom to be generous. Those are the characteristics of freedom. Those are the characteristics of holiness. But somehow we have come to the place of believing that to be holy is to follow the rules. And Paul is saying, you've completely missed it. Now, are there boundaries? Yes, there are boundaries. There certainly are boundaries. There are boundaries like the Ten Commandments. There are boundaries like the Sermon on the Mount. There are boundaries like the Great Commandments, to love God and to love others. There are boundaries and there are descriptions of the kingdom. When we talk about the kingdom being what God's reality coming true and God's will being done, what we're talking about are not rules, but we're talking about the kind of heart that we have. We're talking about things like Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who are merciful. And what happens to these people? They inherit the kingdom. Not because they follow rules but because they have found the freedom of Christ to give themselves away. The freedom to serve, the freedom to give, the freedom to love. This is what the kingdom is about. I was thinking about this a couple of months ago when I was struck by a picture that it it really grabbed me. I don't know if it will you, but it grabbed me. John and Helena have been repainting their house. And they've been painting the whole place. And I've been trying to help as much as I can. And so most of my job has been behind the scenes stuff. I have been, I've been doing putty, sanding, and a lot of taping. I wish I had counted how many yards of tape I and John and Helena and others have put down in their house. A lot of tape. And that was a lot of my job, and maybe that's why I thought of this. But one day it just hit me that tape is for people who are what I would call immature painters. Right? Inexperienced painters. Okay? I need a ton of tape if I'm going to be painting. Believe me, you want me to tape everything. And the more inexperienced the painter is, the more tape you want. If we were to hand the brush to Emma, their almost three-year-old daughter, you would want tape everywhere. Right, but the, but I also discovered because some of their friends have come to help them who have a lot more experience painting. When I said asked them about, do you want me to tape this? Looked at me like, no, I don't need tape. I don't use tape anymore because I, I I know how to do this well enough. I have a steady enough hand. I figured out the th- way to do that. That when I do the cut ins along the baseboard, I can just do it. And it struck me that. That people who have become mature about painting and experienced about painting accomplish the same purpose. They just don't need the rules to keep them within the boundaries. 
And it struck me that throughout my life, I would have to say that for a lot of my experience, the church has turned that around. It, has, it struck me that sometimes the people who claim to be the most mature are the most tied to the rules. The people who claim to be the most holy are the people who are so obsessed with the rules. And they want everybody else to be obsessed with the rules. And it struck me how backwards that is. Because in the kingdom, there is freedom. It's not freedom to do whatever we want to do, to treat people any way we want to treat them. It is the freedom to live the life that Jesus created us to live. We just don't need the rules. Why? Because we want to live that life. Nobody has to make us live that life. We want to live that life. It's in our hearts. It's our yearning. When we get to the new heaven, the new earth, there's not going to be any rules. Because everybody's heart will want what God wants. Everybody's mindset will be what God's mindset is. It will just be natural. It will be what what we do and who we are. And I think Paul is saying, why not live that life now? You don't need the rules. You need the boundaries. And what I also find fascinating about that, that, that image is that within the boundaries, I think God says to us, paint the wall anything you want to. Because see, when we start creating rules, we start confining more and more and more. God says the boundaries are out here. Our rules say, no, 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 it's in here. And our rules become not just don't put paint on the baseboard, but it's you can't paint the color of the wall that color. You can't put that kind of design on the wall. You can't do that kind of thing. And God says to us, do what you want. Be creative. I created you to be creative. Look at my creation. Look at how creative I am. Be creative. And rules continually stymie the creativity with which God created us. You might be thinking to yourself this morning, wow, the worship order is really mixed up today. If I walked in and went, whoa, what's going on here? You probably were thinking, this is either going to be a really long sermon or something is different. And you're hoping something different, right? Yeah. Quite frankly, it just struck me that if we're going to talk about freedom and not following rules, we ought to shake things up a little bit today. And you know what I find? It makes us a little bit uncomfortable. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Because rules confine us. And the thing about rules is they give us security. But our security is not in the rules, it's in Jesus. You see, that one of the problems with rules is that rules cause us to be self-righteous and judgmental. We use rules to try to figure out who's better and who's worse. We use rules to look at other people and say, well, I'm better than they are because, look, I follow the rules and they don't follow the rules. Isn't that the same argument Jesus has with the Pharisees? I mean, they're experts at following the rules. They know the rules and they do the rules. And Jesus keeps saying to them, but you've totally missed the kingdom. Because you are obsessed with the rules instead of being obsessed with God. You're worried about following the rules instead of living in the freedom that God has given you. 
And they are condemned for that. And ultimately, their obsession with the rules leads them to put Jesus on the cross. Their obsession with the rules causes them to say that Jesus, the very Son of God, has a demon in him. The other problem with rules is that it causes us to live in disconnect with other people. If our obsession is the rules, then people really don't matter that much. If all we're thinking about is following the rules and checking off the rules, then we don't have to listen to people. We don't have to feel the pain that people feel. We don't have to to wrestle with people through their questions and their struggles. We don't have to forgive people. We don't have to to walk with people. We don't have to really, we don't have to be merciful or to love them. As long as we follow the rules, that's all that matters. And again, Jesus says to the Pharisees, yeah, you you give your tithe and you do the religious festivals and you do all these, these, you follow all the rules, but you steal homes from widows And you look across a crowd of people who are hurting and broken and you walk away from them and it doesn't affect you one bit. And you've missed the kingdom. Boundaries, that's one thing. Rules, something else completely. You will notice that Paul, and we didn't read all this, but on into chapter 3, Paul says, you need to take off the, the rags of your earthly desires and passions. And he has this whole list of, of things about sexual immorality and greed and, and selfishness and all these things that he says, we need to put that stuff off. Those are things you need to get rid of. But then he says, but you need to put on. Clothes of generosity and clothes of mercy and gentleness and truth and grace. And then he says, and above all, put on love. It's about people. Put on love. I think Paul would would say, okay, if you want to have one rule... It's the same rule that Jesus had. You know, the story of the man who comes to Jesus and says, okay, what's the greatest commandment? What's the best rule? And Jesus says, there's really only one. Everything is summarized into one. Love the Lord your God with all of your being and love others. You see, rules are rooted in fear. Freedom is rooted in love and trust. Why is it that we get so obsessed with rules? Because we are afraid. It creates an atmosphere of fear. We live in fear that we're going to make a mistake. We live in fear that we're going to mess up. We live in fear that that we're going to do something we're not supposed to do. And so the only way we can think of to, to remedy that is to create rules. And we think if we do the rules, if we follow the rules, if we confine ourselves to the rules, then we'll never mess up, we'll never make a mistake, and we can judge it and, and we can mark it. Unfortunately, all that does is lead us deeper and deeper into a life of fear. 
And the Apostle John writes in his first letter, perfect love casts out fear. Paul writes to Timothy and said, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love. And the kingdom of God is not about fear. It's about freedom. And yes, freedom is risky. I got to be honest with you, the rules are a lot less risky than freedom is. When you, when you just follow the rules, there really is no risk. You just check off the boxes. And if you, if you start bumping outside the rules, somebody will smack you back in. Church is pretty good at that. It's about freedom. And freedom is risky because love is always risky. But God is the great, the one, the greatest risk taker the world has ever known and ever will know. God is ultimate. His being is about love and freedom and risk. And that's what he calls us to. And sometimes when you, when you paint with a free hand, you make mistakes. But that's why God says, my grace is sufficient for you. The kingdom is about that kind of freedom to risk rather than fear that makes us hesitant to try and to trust. One of the things I love about communion is standing here and watching everyone stream to the front of the church. I love looking in your eyes and seeing your faces and connecting with you that way. And it just brings me great joy. And often as you're coming up, I'm praying for you and I'm giving thanks to God for you. And it's one of the, it's a holy moment for me. But I also like standing here because you get to see a lot of things going on that not everybody sees. And ever so often, there are things that happen that all you can do is smile. I don't know if it was last month or the month before when we were when we were receiving communion. It was near the end of one of the services, and there were two grade school girls who were walking down the front, came down the front together, and they they tore off the bread and they ate it, and they started making their way back down the aisle. And what I noticed is from right after they took the the bread to when they started back down the aisle, they were arm in arm and they skipped all the way down there. I don't know if any of you saw that. I mean, right here in the sanctuary, they were skipping. Right in front of God and all of us. Here they were, skipping, right here in the church, right? In a solemn moment. Here they are, skipping along the church. And all I could do was smile. And it reminded me, I think a story I shared with you once, about a pastor who was out on Saturday with his children, Saturday before Easter. And he was so intently thinking about his sermon and pondering and, and worrying about it and trying to get it in his mind. And the children, they were just you know, running around and flitting around like little butterflies. And pretty soon they say, hey, Daddy, can you do this? And he looked up and they were skipping down the street. And he said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And he went back to his thinking. And they said, no, Daddy, can you do this? And he said, yeah, I can do that. And they looked at him and said, well, do it. And he said, I thought to myself, I can't do that. I have a doctorate. I'm pastor of First Church. I have persons who live in this neighborhood, live on the street. You know, I can't go skipping down the street with these people. And he said his children looked at him and they put their hands on their hips and they said, nah, 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 daddy can't do it. And of course, what are you going to do with that, right? 
So he said he kind of looked around and make sure the neighbors weren't looking and nobody on the street. And he said, and I did it. I skipped down the street. And he said, I thought to myself, why did I ever stop skipping? It's, it's really pretty easy. It's certainly easier on your knees than jogging. And you could get good distance, and it's really a lot of fun. Why did I stop skipping? And I think it's because skipping seems childish. And skipping seems frivolous. But Jesus says, if you want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like a little child. And I don't know of any beings on earth who live in freedom like little children. But you know what I've discovered as I've thought about this? I think something in the back of the recesses of our mind tells us freedom doesn't seem very Christian. Freedom doesn't seem very Christian. Oh yeah, freedom from sin, we get that. But freedom to live in the joy and the grace and the love of Jesus. That's what Paul's talking about. And that's what God created us to be. And if our eternal existence with God is going to be about freedom, then why wouldn't we want to begin living that way now? If God created us as people to live in freedom, what is it that's preventing us from living in that freedom Now, not freedom to be selfish, not freedom to be self-centered, but freedom to give ourselves away. Freedom to be generous with everything that we have. Freedom to serve, freedom to love, freedom to be what we were created to be. In the grace of God in Christ. Holy Father, thank you for the gift of freedom. Thank you. Thank you that you love us so deeply that you want us to be free. Forgive us. But when we allow the rules that we create to keep us from being what you desire us to be and what your kingdom is designed to be. Father, as we come to this table today, let it be a table of freedom for us. Freedom to experience your grace and mercy. Freedom to know the joy of life with you and with each other. Through the grace of Christ, we pray.
Amen.